Yeah, Easter. All right, we celebrated the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. The resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. It has been two weeks already. After Easter, what happens? Have you forgotten about the resurrection already? And life continues on as usual. It shouldn't be. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ changes everything. One day in history changes everything. The most important day in history changes everything and life will never be the same again. Can somebody say amen to that? There was a story that we heard and saw even in the movie Reason. And I pray that you'll be for each and every one of us. And so today, I'd like to continue on with the resurrection story, lest you forget. Because you cannot afford to forget it. This is the most important thing, the most important event even in life. We must not forget it. Shall we stand together for the reading of God's word? My text is taken from Mark chapter 16, verse 1 to 8. I know there's one blind spot there, but uh, try to imagine what the word is. I'm sure you know the Bible well enough, all right? <laughs> okay, let's read together. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. <laughs> and what? Early. And very early. Very early. All right? On the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You see Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Thank you very much. Please be seated. This morning from this text, I'd like to share on the resurrection life. Living the resurrection life. Living the resurrection life. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is very important. But too many times we forgot about it and instead we just focus on the cross, the death. 
Michelangelo, the famous painter, have this to say. Why do you keep filling gallery after gallery with endless pictures on the one theme of Christ in weakness? Christ on the cross. And most of all, Christ hanging there. Why do you concentrate on the passing episode as if it were the last work, as if the curtain dropped down there and on disaster and defeat? That dreadful scene lasted only a few hours. But to the unending eternity, Christ is alive. Christ rules and reigns and triumphs. How true it is. Now, it's not to say that the cross is not important. No, it is absolutely essential. But when you read the Gospel of Mark, Mark ties the cross and the resurrection together. These are intertwined. These are linked together. You cannot separate one from the other. For the cross without the resurrection has no substance at all. There is only death and a, a, a defeat swallowed by the grave. And so you find that it is the resurrection that gives substance even to the cross. And yet, too many times, we talk about the resurrection only once in a year on Easter Sunday. And if you attend funeral services, yeah, it will be mentioned there, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But other than that, we tend to forget it. But the, but the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the pivot of the Christian faith, the most important, absolutely essential element of the Christian faith. You take away the resurrection, there is no Christianity at all. Nothing, absolutely nothing. Our faith will be in vain. Our preaching will be in vain. And so Bruce Larson says, the events of Easter cannot be reduced to a creed or a philosophy. We are not asked to believe the doctrine of the resurrection. We are not just asked to believe the doctrine, the, the creed, of the resurrection, a head knowledge only. We are asked to meet this person raised from the dead. In faith, we move from a knowledge of a doctrine to believe in a person. Jesus Christ raised from the dead. You see the essential element there? It is not just, I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. No. It is not just a creed, it's not just a theology, but I am asked to place my faith in the person who was raised from the dead and to have that living relationship with Him, Jesus Christ. Ultimate truth is a person. It's not a creed or a doctrine. Ultimate truth is a person. And we met Him. He is alive. That's why in the, when the disciples have met the risen Lord, they were changed forever. 
and Christianity took off with the meeting of the disciples with the resurrected Lord and obeying what he has told them to do. That's why Christianity is not just a religion. It's not a religion. Rather, as somebody has said, Antio Wright says, Christianity is a resurrection movement. It's a resurrection movement. The resurrection makes the difference. The resurrection provides the impetus to the growth of Christianity, not just in the early days, the days of the disciples and the apostles, but even today, it is the resurrection. Nobody has prophesied about their own death. Much less, nobody, definitely nobody has prophesied about their own raising from the dead. Has anybody ever prophesied that I will be raised from the dead? Well, many have, some may claim, but it never happened. But Jesus Christ is the only one who say, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. He already prophesied about his own resurrection. And the Jewish leaders mock him and say, it took us over 40 years to build this temple. You want to raise it up in three days? They did not understand. He was talking about his own resurrection. And that's why the Bible constantly mentions about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, there are over 300 references in the New Testament to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's how important it is. Over 300 references talking about the resurrection, what it is, what it does, the kind of impact that it has. We don't have time to go. You can, you can just search the New Testament on the resurrection and it covers every topic in life. In fact, it was the content of the message of the apostles. That was the one thing they preached on, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter in Acts chapter 3, at the gate beautiful after he has raised the man, and he gave an address to the people who were shocked that this thing was done. And said, this Jesus whom you have killed, God has raised from the dead. And by the power of God, this man stands before you. As chapter 4 verse 33, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the what? Resurrection of the Lord. Everywhere that they went, they preached about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it was still brand new. It was not something that happened one century ago. But it was just a few years later. And some of those people were still alive. The witnesses were still there. And if, they, if, if the critics were to uh, uh, discredit the resurrection, they could have challenged the apostles anytime. But they knew that it happened. Something happened on that day. They could not explain it. They could not brush it aside. And it became the message of the apostles. Everywhere they went, they preached on the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, our Lord, was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. 
the preaching of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead shows that Jesus Christ is indeed the Son of the living God. That's why the message was so powerful. Nobody could stop them because it was a living Savior who lived and worked his miracles in their midst. Going back to the Gospel of Mark, and I would like to point out something very shocking to some of you. Some of you, you may know about it already. So Mark is very interested in the resurrection story, definitely. He has been writing the gospel. And now he comes to the conclusion, the 16th chapter. He has been writing for 15 chapters already, pointing, driving, coming closer to the most important event in history. The resurrection. But then, in verse 8, and they were afraid and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. Now, when you read a, when you Read a good book. The ending is always very important, isn't it? When you have seen a movie, you can tease your friend. Have you seen the movie? Say, no, no. Ah, let me tell you how it ends. Huh? Hey, don't tell me. Don't tell me. I don't want to know yet. I want to see it for myself. Don't be a spoiler. Because you want to know the ending. And look at the way that Mark ended his gospel. Actually, he ended in verse 8. And they were afraid and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now, of course, in many of our Bibles, it doesn't end there. And this is taken from the ESV, English Standard Version, and this is direct quote, and that is uh, the one in parentheses. It says, some of the earliest manuscripts do not include Mark chapter 16, verse 9 to verse 20. Right? What is happening? Now, ESV, New, New International Version, also included that explanation of footnote. The earliest manuscripts do not contain Mark chapter 16, verse 9 to verse 20. Now, of course, Mark, you know, when you read the, the, the gospel of Mark, if it ends in Mark chapter 16, verse 8, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Hello, Mark, what kind of ending is this? You leave us hanging there. What happened? You write about the miracles of Jesus Christ, the power of God, and then the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and you ended by saying, there were three witnesses, and all of them were women. And then, he ended with them saying nothing to anyone. That's not the kind of ending we like. 
That's why the later scribes read it and say, you cannot, you cannot end the story in that manner. This is no ending at all. That's why later scribes added verse 9. Now when he arose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary. Verse 10, she went and told all those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And then later on, you, you read about the, the, uh, 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 the, uh, uh, Jesus Christ saying that all power is given to him. And then he sent them all. He says, go into the world, you know, preach the gospel and these signs will follow. Wow, you know, there'll be healing. You will drink uh, poison and it will not harm you. You will pick up snakes and, and you will not be hurt. And that is the ascension of Jesus Christ. That's the kind of ending we like, isn't it? Now what happened here? Is there an error in the scriptures? No, there's no error. The fact of the resurrection is mentioned here. And Mark is interested in the fact of the resurrection. It happened. If you were to take... Verse 9 to verse 20 as a later addition. It doesn't change the story at all because it is backed up by the other Gospels. They tell the same thing. So it is correct, it is accurate. But if Mark really ended his Gospel in verse 8, it is intentional. We like an ending that says, and they live happily ever after. That's our story, isn't it? But Mark doesn't leave us in such a safe and comfortable position. He leaves us hanging there. And what happened? And what happened after that? You write the conclusion. What's your response to the resurrection of Jesus Christ? You write your Easter story. Just as they say in the book of Acts, and then in Acts chapter 28, hey, it doesn't really end there. You write Acts chapter 29. And so Mark left us there in mid-air, so to speak. But this also shows the accuracy of the scriptures. Mark picked the three women as the witnesses. Now you know that in, in Jewish history, you don't pick women as witnesses. Uh, sorry to say, in those days, women's story cannot be believed. You know? So you don't take we women as witnesses, you take men as witnesses. It, that's, 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 that's how it was in those days. And for Mark to choose the three women as the first witnesses. Incredible. It shows that this really happened. Otherwise, Mark could have just made up a story. Peter, James, John were the first to go there. They did, but later. And one other interesting factor. See how the gospel the shorter edition says, and they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. Now in the Greek Bible, actually, it ends with the word for, the conjunction. They were afraid for. You can check the Greek edition, blue letter Bible or whatever it is. 
they were afraid for. Hey, how can you end the gospel that way? They were afraid for what? It is just like you have your one foot raised up in the air. And where is it going to land? Is it going to land here or is it going to land there? You don't know. Mark leaves you hanging in suspense. They were afraid for. And how can you end a story with saying that they said nothing? If they say nothing, there's no gospel already. Nobody will know what happened. But we know for a fact that actually later on they went and shared with Peter and the disciples and the news spread. And we know that later on in the upper room, these women were also there. So we know that the story goes beyond what Mark recorded for us here. But Mark's gospel is intentional. How will you write your Easter story? Are you going to end with trembling, afraid, fear, bewilderment, astonishment, and you do nothing about it? I pray that it will not be so. Because within the Gospel of Mark also, there is the promise. The promise in verse 6, He has risen, He is not here. That's what an angel told the women. He has risen, He is not here. And listen to verse 7. But go, Tell his disciples and Peter that he is going what? Before you. Where? Into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. The fact of the resurrection is there. And the promise is there. The women were told, go and tell the disciples. He's going before you into Galilee. Why Galilee? The disciples know it very well. Galilee is their home. Galilee is where most of them live. Galilee is where they fish. Galilee is where they carry out their trade, their businesses. Galilee is where their, most of their family members are. And Jesus is saying, I will go before you into Galilee. The resurrected Savior is going before you into Galilee. Galilee is where you live, you stay, the mundane things in life happen. Christ, the resurrected Savior, is not contained within the four walls of the church. He's not contained within the walls of the synagogues. But He's going before you into Galilee. Galilee in your home, in your working place. Galilee in your family. The Galilee of your pain, the Galilee of your struggles. He says, I am going before you there and you will see me there. You will meet me there in your everyday existence.
somebody say, praise the Lord. It's not just a creed. It's not just a theology. To be recited in a church. But it's where you are that God will meet you there. As you go into that business meeting, Jesus says, I will go before you there. As you go to that negotiating table with a businessman, I will meet you there. As you go into that hospital to meet your ailing, to see your, to visit your ailing mother, I will go before you there. As you go to the courtroom for whatever charges or whatever court cases you may be facing, I will meet you there. There's our risen Savior, very involved in our everyday life. The resurrection life is meant to be lived out in the shores of Galilee, in the city of Galilee. When many of us have struggles in life that we cannot even handle. No, but the promise is, I will see you there. So don't be afraid. That's the promise of God for each and every one of us. Colossians chapter 2 verse 13 to 15. You were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of the flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us of all our trespasses. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Christ has triumphed, amen? And he has shared the triumph of the resurrection with each and every one of us, forgiving us of all our trespasses and raising us to new life. As Liz Robel says, He came into this world to make dead people live. We were dead in trespasses. Now He raised us to life. Hallelujah. And now as He lives, I live. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He comes to make dead people live. We live and die. Christ died and lived. And now he raises up even to life in him. And all of what Christ is and did is all that I need. As the song says, because he lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. He goes before me into my Galilee. He is there. Hallelujah. Because he lives. It makes a difference in my life. It changes everything. But the big question is, how do I live in the triumph of the resurrection? How do I live? 
three ways to live in resurrection, victory, and power every day. First of all, walk in the newness of the resurrected life. Walk in the newness of the re resurrected life. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. We have this, those of you who have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, those of you who have been baptized into the death of Christ and raised up in the power of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, let us walk in the newness of life. It is a new life. The old is gone. It is a new path. It is a new aim. It is a new direction. That's what happens when you follow wholeheartedly after Christ. Colossians 3, 1 to 4. So if you have been raised with Christ, have you been raised with Christ? If you have been raised with Christ in His resurrection, here is where we identify not only in the death of Jesus Christ, but also in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you have been raised with Christ, what do you do? See the things that are above. A new life. Seek the things that are above. Don't just be so caught up in the worldly affairs of life, of surviving, of uh, making money, of politics, of economies, you know, and uh, of, the, of the material, of the physical, uh, and the pleasures of life. All these things, yeah, God knows we need all those things. But above all else, He says, seek. The things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And what do you do? You set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden in God. You have the resurrected life of Jesus Christ in the power of God. Why do we live just like hands, you know, always pecking on the ground when we have been born as eagles to fly and to soar in the air? That's what our life is. Not as chickens, but as eagles. Hallelujah. We need to bring our life back into focus. You want the resurrected life of Jesus Christ. It works in your attitudes. It works in your thoughts, in your minds. Continue to seek First, the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And you'll begin to experience the resurrected life of Jesus Christ. So identify with the death and also the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The two go hand in hand. In order to experience the power of the resurrection, you must know the death of Jesus Christ and what He has done for each one of us. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. You identify with Jesus Christ. 
truth is a person, not a creed or a theology. He did not say, here, this is the truth. No. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And so we have that relationship with Him. We, 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 we place our faith in Him. The resurrection is alive. And we have that new life, new resurrected life in Jesus Christ, whom we have placed our trust and our belief. Secondly, expect and experience the resurrection power inside you. We can experience the resurrection power inside each one of us. Where is the resurrection power? If you have Jesus Christ, He's already within you. But what did Paul say? That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. Friends, Paul, that veteran apostle, we have done so many mighty things in the name of Jesus. He is still pressing on and say, my one goal in life, to know him and the power of his resur resurrection. Those who seek the power of his resurrection will experience it. But many of us, do not experience it. Why? Because we do not seek the power of His resurrection. We do not seek to know Him. Other pressing matters, so it seems, occupy our thought and our attention. But if you will give yourself wholeheartedly as the Apostle Paul, I want to know this Jesus and I want to know the power of His resurrection. What is this power of His resurrection? This power of His resurrection is victory. Victory over sin. Victory over Satan. Victory over death. That is the power of His resurrection. And that is the power that God wants to, each and every one of us to experience. The resurrected life is a victorious life. Brothers and sisters, it's time for us to live in the victory of the resurrection. Not in the defeat or the seeming defeat of the cross or the shadows of the cross alone. It's time for us to live in the victory of the resurrection when Jesus rose from the dead. He had victory over every sin. You can have victory over the sins in your life, over every temptation that you face, whenever you face temptation in life. Pray to God and say, Lord, I want to know the power of your resurrection. Grant me victory over this sin. When Satan tempts you, when Satan lies to you, when Satan, you know, you know uh, 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 wants to pull you down. 
You can take authority over Satan and the demonic forces in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When Jesus rose from the dead, he dealt that death blow on the head of Satan, triumphing, triumphing over his enemies, the Bible says, and he has granted us this victory. And the power of his resurrection is a power over death. Death has lost its sting. I know many times we fear death. And uh, this past month itself, just this past few weeks, two of our family members have gone home to be with the Lord. A few weeks ago, there was Jenny Chan. And just a few days ago, there was this. Brother Tan Chong Kiet. But is it in defeat that they went? No. Jesus has conquered death. Hallelujah. Jesus has conquered death. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Death has not defeated them. They have entered in a glory land. Jesus says, do not fear death anymore. I have conquered. The sting of death has been removed forever. Humanly, we feel the sadness. We feel the loss. Yes. But let me assure you, death has no power over any one of us anymore. Hallelujah. When the time comes for you and I to go home to be with the Lord, we just surrender and say, Lord, take me to glory land. I'm not afraid of death anymore. For though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. I will not fear. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Who lives in you? Not defeat, not sicknesses, not negativism, not complaint. Who lives in you? Christ. That's the victory of the resurrection. He's not resurrected and just be in heaven. His presence now is everywhere. As God is everywhere. And more specifically, He lives within me. The song says, You ask me how I know He lives. What's the answer? Hallelujah. He lives within me. Sickness does not live within me. Reject it in the name of Jesus Christ. Satan does not have a hole in my life for he who is in me is greater than he that is in the world. That's the resurrected power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thirdly, Live through the Spirit, resurrection power. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. How was Jesus raised from the dead? By the power 
of the Spirit of God. All right? By the power of the Spirit of God. That's how it happened. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, where is He? He lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. The same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives within you. He will give you the power over what? Not in the glorified body, but now in these mortal bodies, this weak, frail body of mine, the Spirit of God dwells within me because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit is living within you. So you want to experience the power of God, the resurrected life. You must invite the Holy Spirit to fill you constantly. Pentecostal is not a denomination. It is a life, life of the Spirit within you. You live in constant communion with the Holy Spirit. You live, you know, praying in the Spirit. You keep on seeking for the infilling of the Holy Spirit, for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You walk in the consciousness of the Holy Spirit. You know, everywhere you are, you know that it is the Holy Spirit who is the president, who is the leader in your life. And He is very involved in every area of your life. You must be conscious of the Holy Spirit wherever you are. You know, whenever you have the opportunity, pray in the Spirit. You know, invite the Holy Spirit. You want to go into a conference? You know, invite the Holy Spirit. Come on, Holy Spirit, let's do it together. You know, be conscious of the fact that the Holy Spirit is living within you and you have that vibrant relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's not only Christ who lives within you. Jesus says, it is good that I go away because when I go away, I will give you the Holy Spirit and He will be with you. He will be in you. He will lead you into all truth. He will, he will, he, he will guide you. We have the Holy Spirit. But how many of us live in the consciousness of the Holy Spirit? And so we want the power of God, but we don't have that relationship with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't work that way. The same Spirit who raised Jesus now lives within you. Invite Him. Seek for the constant feeling of the Holy Spirit. God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by His power. By His power. And Paul here is not only talking about the future life. God will raise it up by His power. In the context of what he's talking about, he's talking about our body, the temple of the Holy Spirit. He will raise us up by His power. He will raise you up by His power. Life is not typical anymore when you have the Holy Spirit. Coming to church is not just another typical service anymore. When you have the Holy Spirit leading, guiding, filling you, when you have the Holy Spirit raising you up in your circumstances, in your struggles, in your worship, in your prayer, He raised me up! Hallelujah! He raised me up! He's raising 
situation in life, will you allow him to do that? The Holy Spirit is more eager than we have that kind of a desire for him to do it. But if you allow, if you recognize it, and if you allow him to do it, friends, you will experience the power of God. His resurrection power is resurrecting me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Leave my brother, leave my sister in the power of his resurrection. Not just once a year. If you are once a year resurrection Christian, you are miserable. But it's, yeah, it's an everyday resurrection. Glory to God. He's risen. And what do you say? He's risen. He's risen indeed. Yes, we are the resurrection people. We are the resurrection people. Walk in that newness of life. Experience the resurrection power of Christ Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, guide you, fill you, raise you up in every situation in life. Shall we pray? Hallelujah. Thank you, dear Lord.